You're listening to the Technology for Mindfulness podcast, episode 92, hosted by me, Robert Plotkin. Today, I'm going to be speaking with Ryder Carroll, New York Times bestselling author of The Bullet Journal Method and inventor of The Bullet Journal. According to his book, this journaling practice combines mindfulness with productivity, allowing you to declutter your mind and organize your thoughts using pen and paper. You can find out more about Ryder Carroll and bullet journaling at bulletjournal.com. I'm extremely pleased to welcome Ryder Carroll to the Technology for Mindfulness podcast. In the interview that you're about to hear with Ryder Carroll, you're going to hear him talk about his bullet journal method, which involves the use of pen and paper to keep track of tasks and manage a whole wide variety of life situations. And you'll hear him explain it as a mindfulness practice disguised as a productivity method. And one of the things I'd like to suggest to you and even offer as a challenge using the bullet journal as an example is that whenever you've got some new thing you want to accomplish, problem to solve, see if you can turn to the lowest tech method necessary to do so. I'm a tech person. I've been using computers, programming computers since I was a kid. And for a long time, I used to do the opposite. I'd often, you know, if I had some information I needed to store, I'd put it in a database. I'd use software, an app or, or something else to manage information, solve problems. And that often works. But what I found increasingly was that going really high tech, using something very automated, often could take up a lot more time than was needed, be more frustrating (laughs) than it had to be. Uh, If I needed to purchase technology, it would be more expensive than it needed to be. And also, high-tech methods can, can often be less flexible or adaptable than low-tech methods, especially when you're first trying to work something out. For example, in my business, I remember trying to manage certain types of workflow processes, uh, tasks that needed to get done in a certain sequence in my law firm. And I remember starting to set up databases and then finding that if I needed to change one of those processes, it would require reprogramming the database. Now, that's a lot of effort a lot of time to just make small changes. And then what I'd find is, and this is very common with lots of people, I just abandoned use of the database because it was way too much hassle. And so gradually, I started shifting towards lower tech. How about using a spreadsheet instead of a database? How about just a Word document instead of a spreadsheet? How about something on a piece of paper, like a form that I could print out? And, you know, I learned this lesson gradually over time after making a lot of mistakes that very often starting with the lowest tech method first is actually the easiest, the least stressful, the most adaptable, and the most sustainable in the sense that you will be more likely to stick with it over long periods of time than higher tech solutions that frustrate you and cause you to give up. I mean, I'll give an, one example that's medium tech, maybe, 
I use a bunch of different methods for keeping track of things to do. But one of them on my phone is I use the Notes app where you can, you may not know about this, it came up a few versions ago on the iOS. You can, in your notes, put a little circle as a checkbox in front of the thing to do. And then you can tap that circle and check the thing off. And then when the task is checked off, it moves to the bottom of the list. So it's like halfway between a just set of plain written notes and a bit of a semi-automated to-do list. I found that that kind of middle tech solution works just about perfectly for me. Not a database, not a piece of paper, something in between. So experiment with yourself. You're going to hear Ryder talk about this uh, very, this extent to which we're all so different from each other. Different solutions will work out differently for different ones of us at different times. So I just uh, issue a challenge of going low tech or at least considering it as an option when you have some information to keep track of, tasks to do, or other problems to solve, and see how that works for you. Hope you enjoyed that tip, and I hope you enjoy this upcoming interview with Ryder Carroll, creator of The Bullet Journal. Hi, Ryder, and welcome to the Technology for Mindfulness podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. You're welcome. Uh, I'd love to start out by talking about your bullet journal. Maybe you can give people just a little bit of an introduction before we even talk about what it is, what your motivation was for this. You know, what what was the problem in your own life or that you saw with other people that you didn't see being solved by other types of task management or productivity systems that caused you to say, I need to come up with something new that works better? That's a big compliment. I was far less visionary than that. I mean, the whole bullet journal method, as it is a methodology, started as a way for me to solve my own challenges directly, (laughs) completely self-centered development of this product, if you will, solving my own challenges. Um, And that all kind of began back in school. I had significant learning disabilities. And back then, at the fear of dating myself here, this was way before the internet. So I didn't have a lot of resources available to me to help me become more focused and productive. So I used the only tool I had available. And at the time that was pen and paper pretty much. So I started figuring out ways to be able to capture my thoughts quickly and organize them through a lot of trial and error. I started discovering things that worked and every once in a while something would stick and then another thing and then another thing. And over time I started to develop this methodology of these interlocking techniques that eventually was called the bullet journal method. Well, it's great. I mean, we know so many people develop products without actually using them, (laughs) without having real world application for them. So the fact that you developed this out of your own need and really used it and developed it for yourself before you launched it for use with other people is a sure indicator of why it's been successful. I mean, maybe you can talk a little bit more about what your challenges were, maybe even what worked initially and what things didn't work. And so then what modifications did you make to, to make it work better for you? I know we know these days it's very popular to talk about failures being the, such a key part of success. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely falling into the camp of thinking that failure is not the right word Yeah, for a lot of things. You know, I, I definitely believe that failure is just a different kind of learning. Yeah. Right. Success and failure, more attitudes. Anyway, 
I guess it kind of all started with a realization. One thing is that people who have ADD or ADHD, as it's known as now, really have a difficult time hearing what's being said when it either doesn't make sense or it seems overwhelming or, I mean, for lack of a better, if it's not interesting. And it goes like far beyond boredom. Like I, I remember I wouldn't be able to understand what was being said to me. Just like the words, it was like, you know, the, the, the peanuts thing, you're like, wah, 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 wah. And it's actually kind of terrifying because you're looking at somebody saying things to you and it won't stay in your mind. It's like, for some reason, you're immune to this data. And in school, that's a real problem. Yes. You know, this goes, and I say it goes way beyond boredom because like when you start realizing that your grades are in jeopardy or your, <laughs> your standing is in jeopardy, like, like all of a sudden you, you have a real reason to pay attention. And then when you do start paying attention and it still doesn't work, that's when things are different. I feel like, especially for people with ADHD, you know, I feel like you can't just switch on and off your attention. But one thing I started realizing that was really helpful to me was doodling in class. I started realizing that when I I started doodling because I kind of resigned myself to like, I'm not going to get this, so I might as well entertain myself. And so I started drawing and the strangest thing happened. As soon as I started doodling in class, all of a sudden I could hear what was being said, especially in these classes that for some reason, I don't know, used to bounce off my skull. Like all of a sudden the information resonated. It, 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 it actually went in and stayed in for a while. And I realized that the part of my mind that needed to be occupied or that needed to be distracted could be distracted by drawing, but it didn't distract it enough for me to not be able to pay attention. So I started realizing that by designing my pages, I could actually start taking notes properly. Like, oh, that's interesting. I write down a note and then like go back to drawing and I write down a note and I learn. all of a sudden I started learning. I actually started learning. The problem with that is that teachers, of course, don't want you to be drawing while they're talking to you. And it seems like you're not paying attention attention to them. So I started developing these strange like coping mechanisms where I would pretend to be listening to them when they were looking at me. And as soon as they weren't, I would go back to doodling so I could actually pay attention to what was being said. And one of my teachers put that together once and she pulled me aside and she's like, I start realizing what you're doing here, you know? So every time you're looking at me, I know you're not paying attention. Every time you're drawing, you are. <laughs> and she's like, good for you for figuring that out. Yeah. And it was the first time, I mean, I, you know, I was like, I guess in early middle school at the time and it was the first time that it dawned on me that I could solve my own challenges. And not only that I could, but, but it would be my responsibility because at the time nobody really understood what I was going through, right? The, the vocabulary didn't exist yet and the tools didn't exist yet, or at least they weren't available to me. I wasn't aware of any. That's a real paradigm shift for a kid. You know, and when you're a kid, you're always looking for the, to the tall folks for answers, whether it be right. your parents or your siblings or your teachers, like, if you have a question, you ask them and they give you an answer. And in this case, all of a sudden I was like, I have to come up with the answer and I have to, like, I can, and I have to. And that was kind of the beginning of it all. So I started like trying to come up with answers and I feel like that's kind of still my job. Wow. <laughs> that's, wow. that's basically what it is to define a challenge and to come up with a solution. And so let's talk a little bit about bullet journal. For the people who are not familiar with it, as you said, it is a methodology. It does have some physical aspects to it. You know, I know you have a specific paper journal that you sell and make available, though you don't, people don't have to use that. But what's most important is, is the methodology. 
you know, I know it is very visual, be hard to get across on a podcast, but maybe you could let people know, you know, what the key aspects of it are that you developed in this way, first to help yourself and now that other people have found useful. Sure. I mean, as it stands now, it, the methodology evolved over the years in big ways, right? First, there was like the informal version of the way I just organized my thoughts. And then there was the formalized version that was the bullet journal. And since then, it's grown. And the way I like to describe the bullet journal method is that it's a mindfulness practice that's disguised as a productivity system. And essentially, what you're doing is you're using pen and paper to capture and organize your mind and your thoughts in various different ways, one to declutter your mind, but then I also provide different techniques that allow people to re-engage with the things that they write down in a consistent way. So it's not just about hoarding data, it's about cultivating ideas, cultivating your thinking. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a way of learning how to pay attention to your own life mm-hmm. in a way that can be focused towards a specific need. So one thing that makes bullet journaling very different from I would say other productivity methods, it's very self-directed, right? So every bullet journalist is invited to bring a specific need to their practice. So for Mm -hmm. some people, it's to be more productive. For some people, it's to be more organized. For some people, it's to deal with anxiety. For some people, it's Mm -hmm. to deal with PTSD. It's the bullet journal becomes a reflection of the need of its author. So what I do is I provide different tools that help people organize their thoughts based on their circumstances, if that makes sense. So one of the core things is a bulleted list, but we do it differently. So our bulleted list is actually categorized into tasks, events, and notes. So you can quickly start categorizing your thoughts and logging them as they come up in short form sentences. It's just like one very small component, but that gets us in the habit of decluttering our mind consistently. We have consistent periods where we reflect on the things that we wrote. So again, not hoarding information, but learning from it, right? Trying to identify patterns and relationships in the way that we're thinking in our responses and what resonates with us and what doesn't. And over time, help us cultivate a better awareness of ourselves. Yeah, I see what you mean when you said it's a uh, mindfulness practice. Uh, What did you say? Disguised as a productivity tool? I mean, we definitely use bulleted lists and we're always looking for what our priorities are. Generally speaking, people find the bullet journal method because it is an incredibly effective way to become more productive. And I think that the secret sauce there is because it helps people consistently identify their priorities. But that's kind of the top level. It helps you organize your what, but what's more important is that it helps you surface and stay mindful of your why. Why are you doing these things? And that's really at the heart of it methodology. But it's interesting. You said uh, also when you were in school, that something about the process for you of drawing actually helped you to pay attention, absorb other information outside of the journal, you know, mm-hmm. auditory information while you were doing that. Can you talk a little bit about your experience with that and maybe what other people's experience has been with that aspect of it? Yeah, I, I think that there is a certain connection between like your mind and your hand when you're writing, right? It, it occupies different machinery than when you're typing. And I feel like it doesn't have to be drawing. It's just the, the, the process of writing engages part of the mind in a light enough way that it can then focus on other things as well, right? Or in some cases, the act of writing actually helps 
people focus. And, you know, you can't take notes before the person speaks. So I was drawing as a way to, you know, use my mind and like open that channel, if you will. So there is a very large part of the bullet journal community that is very artistic and creative. And if you ever go online and look at bullet journal, you'll find these incredibly elaborate interpretations of the methodology. And it can be that. But the core method also doesn't require any artistic skills whatsoever. The practice becomes a reflection of the needs of the user and the way that they want to express themselves. But by and large, I feel that the act of writing allows people to focus in a really meaningful and powerful way that we really don't have any kind of other technology that allows us to do it to the same capacity. Yeah, it's very interesting. I mean, something I've talked a lot about on the podcast and the blog before is distractions. And this raises an issue of, you know, not all stimulus is necessarily a distraction in the negative sense. There can be a certain, you, you called the, uh, the writing something that's light enough right? It's kind of a middle path, you know, and maybe it's different for different people at different times where, you know, no sensory input can almost be more distracting if your mind is overactive. But of course, too much can then be too distracting in its own regard. So I think we need to be careful about the idea of distraction because sometimes there are stimulus that might be a distraction, but actually help you focus. Yes. I'm very wary of very binary solutions here, right? It's either like you write on the floor in a white room with no music and, you know, perfect situation or, you know, not at all. But for me, I I don't know. I feel like you just find the balance that works for you. And I also know in my own productivity, I need distractions when I'm working on certain things. Like I will become much more productive if I'm listening to music while I'm designing Mm -hmm. software, for example. Like the work happens much better. I get into flow much quicker. When I'm reading, I need absolute silence. Yeah. Like any music, any sound actually breaks my concentration significantly. So I think it's just about figuring out the right stimuli for the right situation, set and setting. Yeah, it's very good. I use sound as well. I mean, I, I often use sounds, water sounds. I mean, I've heard that generally most people have difficulty focusing when there's music with lyrics in it. But that's not true for everyone. I mean, when you talk about this as a mindfulness practice, right, you're encouraging people to explore what works for them individually. Very much so. And I mean, I think that's, if anything that my work has taught me, it's like, I can only share what works for me mm-hmm. and be very mindful of the fact that other people have things that are just as effective that wouldn't work for me as at all, right? You know, like, as I said, some people in the community spend a lot of time elaborating their pages. And for them, that makes them significantly more productive and focused. For me, I know that when I started, like, when I used to decorate my pages significantly more, that was a distraction for sure. I was, I was just uh, putting things off, procrastinating in a real way. So when I started seeing that inside of the community, I was like, hey, you guys, you are you sure that you're getting more done because of this? And the answer is like, actually, yes, we are. And that was a big learning moment for me. And that's one of the, I think one of the most interesting things for me about this work that I do is that I'm constantly amazed at how differently minds work, even when they're using the same tool. It's like how two people use the bullet journal. Like you look at two bullet journals and they're not the same at all. They're, they're working towards the same thing in very different ways. And there, there really isn't, one that's better than the other. They're just different. I know you have an active community. I mean, can you talk about that where people are sharing with each other, as you said, 
what their own uses are? Yeah, I mean, I think the one thing that's so beautiful about bullet journaling is like it requires no technical ability, really, right? If you can use a pen and paper, like you have all the skills you really need. And I provide different ways of formatting your information. And many in the community have built on that, right? How do you build tools that help you think better for very specific things? Concrete example is that some people use bullet journal for medication management for people that they love, people who have conditions that require significant amounts of care and medication management, that that's not what I use it for, but I see how they use it. And other people use it to manage massive events, which, you know, is something that wouldn't occur to me, something that I would use another tool for, but it's, it's, it's just really interesting how they take this core and then they build on it and they, you know, iterate on these different, I was like, oh, wow, you use the monthly calendar to track the amount of time you spend outside. Like that's, yeah. that's not something that I would, I would have used it for and there's nothing wrong with that. So it's very symbiotic. Like I keep on trying to learn more about the things that interest me and teaching the community what I found. And in turn, people share with me what they learned, which influences what I learned. And in general, that's really what is really lovely about this community. It's very much a, um, it's very supportive and that people will have no hesitation to ask, like, hey, how do you guys manage your finances? You know, it's like, I, I, I don't know where to begin. How can I do this? And people are like, this is how I design my page right? No software, no signing up. It's like, this is, this is just the way that I organize data in my mind. And it's much easier to share that when you see it in black and white or blue and white or red and white or (laughs) whatever that person uses. And that's really incredible. It's just like, I'm constantly amazed at the power of pen and paper. And this is not to say that I'm a Luddite. I think it's important to mention that I spent like a good 15 years designing software and I think technology is really powerful and wonderful, but it's also really liberating to see how creative people can be when they have to solve a problem and they're not confined to technical know-how. Well, let's talk about that a little bit. There must be some temptation or maybe pressure from some people to make an app of this or some other higher tech component that could interact with it, you know, and and you've stuck with something that is pen and paper and low tech. Can you talk about your thoughts around that? Sure. I mean, I I think I have to be transparent and there is a bullet journal app. Mm -hmm. It's called the companion app and it doesn't replace your notebook. It serves to extend the functionality of your notebook. So for example, you can set reminders on the app and help you track how often you write in your notebook and get articles and tutorials and you know it's just it's it's an accessory if you will it's the reason that the core is the notebook is because i think it's really important to go offline to think i feel that technology just enables too many distractions it also helps us be more comfortable when we shouldn't be right i think that often people mistake convenience for efficiency and i feel like when it comes to processing to doing real thinking maybe it's just me but i feel like deep thinking is hard yeah like to to advance an idea into a new territory to put things together to piece things together takes time and it takes focus and especially somebody growing up with add these are things that don't come naturally to me i guess it's really a luxury these days to simply stop and think Right. To actually go offline, 
and to deeply consider the things that are taking your time and attention and to make very intentional choices about what you will allow to be part of your life and what you won't. That's really what we're trying to do here. It's not just about it's not just a bunch of things that we have to do. That's not what our lists are. These are all experiences waiting to be born. And I think that that warrants time and attention to really consider them. Do you want this to be part of your life? Mm-hmm. And that's not often a comfortable process, but it is an incredibly meaningful and important one. Mm-hmm. And I find that encounter friction or resistance in technology. Yes. We end up in very strange places, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I, I can't tell you how many times I was writing some kind of intense journal article. I don't know, an Evernote or whatever. And then the next thing I know, I'm buying socks. It's like, right. oh, this is, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going. Yes. I'm kind of hitting a wall here. Why don't I just go check, check Facebook or Instagram? Yes. It's just too easy to distract yourself. I feel like it's, it's kind of important to like be stuck and feel that pain and then like work through it. Yes. And it's not always uncomfortable. Like I think it's building resilience to mm-hmm. thinking for extended periods of time and embracing the fact that you won't understand right away, right? It's like the big difference between learning and understanding. It's not just like having the yes. facts, but creating a framework of information. So yeah, and I feel like, again, pen and paper is easy because the barrier to entry is minimal, yes. right? There's pen and paper is incredibly affordable, Mm-hmm. and it's very low overhead. So all you need is just time and attention, nothing else. For me, I found over and over again that it actually allows me to use technology much more intentionally. It's like, now that I know what I'm trying to build, now I can find the right tools yes. for the job. Yes. Yeah, I mean, sounds like you know, once you've consciously set your intentions, you can let those drive your technology use. And as you said with the sock buying example, it's very easy for technology to kind of pull our intention away in some other direction or to let ourselves be pulled by it in some other direction if we haven't very consciously chosen that intention in advance. Yeah, I, I think that's the point. It's like, what is your actual intention? You know, I feel like technology allows us to quickly forget about our intention or kind of just put it on the side. You know, it's yes. like you just take off your intention for a while while you go you know, browse on Amazon or mm-hmm. whatever it is. And I think that as soon as you open your notebook, there, there is no real escaping your intention. You create an environment. And over time, that can be a really powerful little ritual, right? Sitting down, just opening up. It's like, okay, I'm going to take this time to really consider my choices and make those choices and reduce my distractions. And be like, wow, I have four meetings that, are not going to serve anybody. Mm-hmm. And those are meetings that I would have taken just because I hadn't taken a moment to think. It's like, what is the purpose right. of this meeting? Why am I doing this? Why am I meeting this person? Why am I working yes. on this thing? What is the purpose of this? Again, it sounds relatively existential, but if you're doing this consistently, mm-hmm. it reduces the volume and the pressure of that choice. It just kind of reminds you to align with your intention. And that's ultimately what like the goal of the bullet journal is to align your actions with your beliefs on an ongoing basis. And I feel like a notebook is just the simplest and yet the most powerful way of doing that. Yeah, I totally understand. I mean, I I use all kinds of to-do lists and I've experienced the tendency of a to-do list to kind of create its own steam almost where 
once you've made it, if there is no intention attached to it, it can be very satisfying in a way to just keep doing the next thing on the list without attention to what its priority is. And I know that in the bullet journal method, you have ways for addressing this, which is that priorities can change over time. And the fact that something was high priority when you first wrote it down doesn't necessarily mean it's a high priority later. But if you're not paying attention, if you're just going through the list, it's very easy to then do a task that's no longer a high priority now just because it's sitting there on the list. (laughs) Yeah. Just because something can be done doesn't mean it should be done. Right. We can like spend burn through our life crossing things off a list that leads us nowhere. Right. You know, multiple times in my life, I have definitely been incredibly productive at accomplishing a goal that served no purpose. Right. Right. It was right. just a goal I set somewhere along the way and spent years working towards that goal. And then you arrive and you're like, yeah. oh, <laughs> yes. Why did I, I do this? I remember Stephen Covey, you know, productivity guru saying something along the lines of when, when you're climbing that ladder, it could be the corporate ladder. Just make sure it's the right ladder that you're climbing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel like that's often a very underestimated problem. Right. Right. People are like, I'll just change things like, you know, see where it goes. And I don't know. I, I feel like entire lifetimes can be burnt up in the pursuit of the next thing, right? The next thing, the next thing on the list, the next raise, the next promotion, the next. And, you know, it's just, it's easier just to turn on the autopilot for sure. Yeah. So, and I feel like technology enables us to do that because it makes it also elegant and seamless. And that's what I like about pen and paper. It's not seamless. There's friction. It slows you down, which is uncomfortable in this modern day and age. And don't get me wrong, I use technology all day long. (laughs) I'm still an early adopter, but I pick my tools much more intentionally because I know what I need. Does that make sense? It's like like when I was younger, I used to buy a bunch of camera gear for the things that I hoped I would make. I'd spend all this money on all this gear that I didn't know how to use and ended up not using. And then it just like ends up on my eBay table which is another thing that i have to do now right i feel like after i started turning bullet journal much more towards the why as opposed to the what like all of a sudden the tools that i use i pick tools that i actually use let's put it that way it's like i find them based on it's like this is a reoccurring issue constantly i need something to fix this there must be a a way to make this process more efficient and it's, it's, yeah, I don't know. I, I think of the bullet journal method as a primary tool. It's like the tool that helps you select your tools. And yes, for me, that makes it much more effective. I totally get what you're saying. It's very common that, uh, you know, because of the way tools are marketed, they're marketed to make the tool drive your use of them. There's a new phone out and the features of it are heavily marketed and people buy it and then ask, oh, it's got these 10 features. How am I going to make use of them? And make the assumption being that I need to use these features because they're there, which is the opposite of what you're talking about, <laughs> which is what do I want and need? Are there tools that can promote those? And if so, I'll choose those. Uh, and we definitely find ourselves in a place where there's a lot of solutions looking for a problem. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's, I think the technology is wonderful at connecting us yeah. to the world around us. 
for sure. I think that it often fails us at helping us to connect with ourselves often, right? Asking the questions like, well, what's going on here before, you know, engaging outside. And for me, that's, that was the missing piece. And that's where the notebook came in. And obviously, I'm not going to use a notebook for a lot of things. I'm not going to use it to schedule meetings. I'm not going to use it to book my plane tickets. It has its place in my productivity stack. Yeah. Along with, you know, Google Calendar and Rome and all that, you know. It's also amazing, you know, people talk about uh, high tech as being interactive, but a notebook is a very interactive thing, particularly the way you use it. You think, you write, then you see what you've written, that's feedback back to you. And there's a lot of feedback loops going on in what might seem like that low tech device. Yeah. Very much so. I mean, a big part of this methodology is just like having is re-engaging with your mind and your thoughts over and over again, as long as it serves you, Mm -hmm. right? It's not about just creating all this information. It's about, again, understanding the information rather than just hoarding it. Mm -hmm. That I think that requires repetition, repetition and consistency in things that are very, I don't know, approachable it's 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 it's, you know the notebook can become an extension of yourself very quickly it's your own handwriting you know what happened it it gains a personality really quickly which is something that's often lost in tech or the personality yes i I think that though a lot of software is very opinionated (laughs) i say that lovingly because i designed a lot of it in my career um it's not your opinion. Right. And that's important when you're trying to figure out what it is that matters to you. <laughs> yeah. Well, tell me um, a couple of things. One, where can people go to find out about Bullet Journal and to join the community? Bulletjournal.com. Very simple. Like I like your approach. It's very simple generally. And uh, is there anything new or different coming up? I know you're always evolving the the approach, but is there anything mm-hmm. in particular that might be different, new, uh, that based on what you've learned that might be coming down the pike that people might be interested in? Actually, we just recently launched Bujo U, which is a membership community for people who bullet journal, and it's designed to really provide a very curated space for members to engage based on very specific challenges. So whether it be finance or parenting or mindfulness or health, there are very specific rooms inside of Bujo U that allow people to have intentional conversations, both to share what they've learned and to ask about what they would like to learn about. And so far, it's been a really wonderful community. I'm in there as well, providing feedback and answering questions. We have office hours and roundtables, and there's a lot more exciting stuff in the pipeline. So that's the most recent thing we have, an intentional social network, if you will. Fantastic. Fantastic. Any final words you'd like to leave people with about you know, how they can benefit from Bullet Journal or just words of inspiration to anyone who's finding themselves stuck? Uh, or facing any of the problems you found that you, you, you've been able to uh, address for yourself, for your community with Bullet Journal? Yeah, I, I guess for me, the thing is always to define what it is that you need. Like, what is the challenge? You know, 
a lot of times people are like, where do I start bullet journaling? And my question is like, well, what brought you here? Yeah. What was the interest? What motivated you to go on this search? And I think once you kind of define what it is that you aspire to or what your challenge is, then start to defining the tools for the job. And if bullet journal sounds interesting to you, I highly recommend going to bulletjournal.com. We have a bunch of free resources there where you can start very simple. You don't need to have an artistic bone in your body to begin. I would do that before you start hitting Instagram or Pinterest because there can be some very overwhelming examples there. But start with the need and Mm -hmm. start by writing down your thoughts based on that need. So it's about organization, start writing down things you have to do. If it's about anxiety, start writing down the things that are triggering to you or the things that worry you, create some distance. But yeah, I think defining your need will help you define your intention, which will help you define your tools. Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah, really good summary of what your your overall approach is too. Fantastic. Well, thanks so much, Ryder, for being on the Technology for Mindfulness podcast. I really enjoyed talking to you, learning more about Bullet Journal, and I'm sure our listeners will benefit from it a lot. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for joining us for this Technology for Mindfulness podcast with me, Robert Plotkin, and today's guest, Ryder Carroll, creator of the Bullet Journal and author of the Bullet Journal Method. You can find out more about Ryder Carroll at bulletjournal.com. If you liked today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review, and share the episode with your friends. Don't forget to also check out our blog at technologyformindfulness.com for information and tips about how to be more focused, productive, creative, and happy using technology. And sign up for our mailing list to receive a free guide on how to find balance and manage your technology use with mindfulness. I'm Robert Plotkin, and I'll join you next time on the Technology for Mindfulness podcast. Mindfulness podcast.